listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 208, covering Blaze of Glory and Empok Nor with Mark Bosco. Hi, friends. We're back, and there's a friend here in my basement. His name is Bob. Hello. Hi, Bob. My basement is where I record things and also kill people. Yeah, there's the murder part of the basement. Right. It's uh, very scenic. It is. It's often the last scene that people see. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed your trip to the murder basement. I if have. not, uh, well, too fucking bad. There will not be a survey at the end of this tour because uh, <laughs> you're going to die now. Oh. Not you. I, you. You still got to hang around for Voyager. I don't want to have to find more oh. guests for for voyager right you just murder me now we already got suckers for that <laughs> by the way that wasn't me saying something bad about voyager that was me uh talking about how a lot of people don't want to stick around for voyager and i'm making them do it anyway those people are suckers yes they are there's one of them born every minute yep so i heard okay so this week we have a couple of episodes where we're not going to remember them because the title you know the deal <laughs> i've heard the, the show before yes what Hi, I have the Beholder. Yes. Yes. I have Glory. Is <laughs> yours. Blaze of Glory, somehow impossibly not a Klingon episode. I was a little surprised, too. Yep. That would be Blaze of Honor. Right, except there was an Honor episode in early Next Gen that was not a Klingon episode, and then the Glory one was. Oh, man. They should have like... just called this one Honor of Glory. <laughs> yes. No, I think someone on the staff was a big um, Bon Jovi fan. Nah. Was, uh, Blaze of Glory. Young Guns. Yes. Young Guns well, he should, he should two. be feel sorry for himself. Young Guns 2, the new batch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Christian Slater? Was he in that? <laughs> I, don't I don't remember. Christian Slater. That's pretty good. <laughs> Bob, why don't you tell us what happens in Blaze of Glory? I will attempt to do that. Cisco intercepts a secret Maki message that says that cloaked missiles have launched at Cardassia. Not that we care about Cardassia, but if they get attacked, then their Gemhagram allies might retaliate against people we do care about. So Cisco takes a trip to regular one to break Eddington out of prison, to take one last adventure into the breach once again, old friend. Ed and Cisco have some great adventures flying through the Badlands, setting fire to their ship's farts, growing some tomatoes with their bare hands. <laughs> they finally get to the missile launch facility, and it's overrun with Gemhagram! Ed and Cisco work together to fight the gem, just like old times. But once they get out of that sticky wicket, they discover a dead Maquis guy. And another. And, holy crap, all of the dead Maquis. Uh, except these guys here, in a closet, in case we need them for a sequel. Hooray! And Ed's wife that he's always had, who says that he hasn't. Oh, what, the missiles? That was all a ploy. A plot to get Ed out of prison. There never were any missiles. Ha 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 ha! And Ed gets shot even though he didn't have to. At least he died with a song in his heart. Uh, Bob, you you are clear that his last name is Eddington, right? That's not his first name. What? They, in fact, they say his name is Michael. He even says it's a very common name, Michael. Michael. Oh. Several times. I Sure. Fair enough. <laughs> Ed is shorter. All right. You can call him Mike. You can no, call he, him Bever. He, I find <laughs> that's really good for, for long names. Bever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which really shortens that hugely long and, name... Beverly. Yeah. Ed Edton. You know, Michael Beverton. Right. <laughs> you could call him Mike, but he strikes me as the kind of person... No, I'm a Michael. You call me Michael. Yep. Michael. Could be. Could be. Very fastidious, he seems. Yep. Um, This one... It, there's a weird thing going on here in this episode and the next one where you get to about the halfway point and my opinion changes, but it's exactly the opposite. Like, in this one, I was not really feeling it for the first half and then it takes a couple of cool twists and it's like yeah i get it now and the other one's exactly the opposite hmm. very strange but that that's uh basically my good thing mm. is uh we I, I thought we were done with the whole eddington thing and now he's back and he's super whiny like oh, yeah. more than ever and then the plot kicks in and it's like wait a minute he's he's mostly playing like playing what cisco expects him to be mm-hmm just to like get him to do what he wants and i kind of like that i don't know that i agree with that okay that that was kind of my bad thing he's like he's such an ass and he's living this made-up romantic action hero fantasy world that 
so much so that he becomes a martyr at the end, widowing his bride of two weeks because, and he didn't even have to. Nope. I mean, he just like got shot in the arm. He could have run out with Cisco, but no, he wants to play the big, you know, hero and romantic. Well, and they talked about bullshit. that in the previous his previous appearance. Like that is definitely part of his character. Oh right? yeah, that's what I like about him. That's my good thing. Really? Yes. <laughs> okay. I love Eddington's weird self-image of himself. Like they, hmm. it came up a bit in the last in the last one, where it came up a lot just, in the last one. Yeah, where that's he's how just, Cisco defeated him was realizing that's what his deal was. He's just so desperate to be this 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 hero. Like I just I th- I think it's fascinating to watch this guy who's sort of kind of a nothing. Yep. And then he joins the Maquis, and suddenly he suddenly he just kind of goes nuts. Well, we've we've talked about this, like we talked about this when he revealed himself to be a Maquis guy, and we've talked about it again. He's that quiet guy at work that you suddenly realize is a crazy extremist and has all these beliefs that you never knew were <laughs> yep. there under the surface. And we've all probably had a guy like that at work at some point or, or somewhere in your life where you're like, that guy mostly keeps to himself. Oh, he's the one that owns all the guns. And yeah, like yeah. One day, he like, was the just... he was the quiet guy. Oh wait, no, he was completely fucking crazy. Right, but but what I'm saying is, I think he probably had like a boring life until he found his what he thinks of as his purpose. Yeah, and, and this is what he's all about now. And this is like he's so into it and mm-hmm. too into it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's where it kind of loses me is that he fe- it feels like he's so entrenched in in the idea that he needs this story for himself that he kind of, you know, does it to the detriment of what he's, his actual goals were. Well, but I think that's supposed to be his sort of tragic flaw. I suppose so. Mm. I, I, let, let's be clear. I like to, I like to clarify sometimes with bad things. Do you think that's bad writing or do you just think it makes the character unlikable? Mm, I guess, I guess more the latter. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's... I mean, I could see either point. Like I don't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with the former point, but. Yeah, I could see that. But what the writers even said on Memory Alpha was, we don't know if you're supposed to like him. We don't know if we like him. Mm. <laughs> like, we, we kind of go back and forth on the way we represent him. But... No, that's that's the thing I like most about him is that, like... He's not likable or sympathetic? No, he's u- he, but he's a very <laughs> unique Star Trek character. Well, as long yeah. as we see him getting under the skin of someone that is... Like, is, there's someone on screen always who is likable, then that's okay. He's an yeah. antagonist for Cisco. Yeah. Right. And We're he's such a good antagonist side, exactly. for Cisco. Oh, yeah. I think in a lot of ways he's what they like they tried this story sort of with Cal at first I don't yep. remember Cal Hudson I think was the, the mm. guy's name yeah and they actually mentioned him in this episode that he has since died in Maquis related activities yeah a Cardassian but, fell on him right a Cardassian in a barrel I assume yeah of course <laughs> going over Maquis falls in a barrel <laughs> splash always falling on people yep breaking their two spines <laughs> It's a good thing we have a third spine, then. <laughs> my honorable spine, no! They could have called this my honorable spine. That would have been a better title. <laughs> I'll just, I'll have to make my son that I hate kill me now. But they, they really did a better job. Like, Cal was supposed to be, he and Cisco came up around the same time. They got to commander or captain around the same time. Like, they were equals, and they were good friends, and then his friend turned. And, and that was supposed to be sort of his arch nemesis thing, and it didn't really work. So they tried it again with Eddington, and it worked, I think, a lot better this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Like I say, I think some of that stuff in the first half of Eddington being extra, extra whiny and extra terrible. I, I'm I'm sure he was playing Cisco. Like a lot of that's real. Yeah. But a lot of it was like trying to make sure he like out of spite would t- d- drag him to this encampment that he wanted to go to. Yep. It's, he's mm. he's doing his best for the first like 20 minutes of this episode to, to do not take me to the Briar Patch, Captain. Oh. <laughs> I just do not throw me in there. I will die before I go to the briar patch. You will never get me in there. Get in that briar patch. <laughs> I can't. That's where that planet is where people live forever. <laughs> oh, oh so no. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, man, the briar patch again. Right. Well, we're, we are in the Badlands again. Yeah, oh, that, that's where the wait, briar patch is. Badlands. Yeah. No, the briar patch is. Oh, is that in the Badlands? I think it was in the Badlands. <laughs> yeah. I recall uh. being very angry about the Badlands being in a TNG movie. The, the weird CGI Badlands. Yeah, I remember now, sort of. Um, I don't know. forget, it's, it was the best that, of the TNG movies. It's got that early uh, water, bad CGI right, water. Right, I remember now. You were here for that one. Yeah. That was that was your movie, I remember now. <laughs> um, So I, I, I think we're sort of on the same page of Eddington as far as, like, we all sort of are unsettled and, and kind of annoyed by him. It's just we, I think Matt maybe thinks that's a good thing for the drama, and Bob's like, 
this character's kind of annoying. Why am I watching him? Am mm -hmm. I am I reading this all right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, okay. pretty much. So you guys basically think the same thing. It's just your reaction to the guy is a little different is all. Yeah. That seems fair. Okay. Just just trying to clarify. Because it's, it's not like one of you thinks he's an amazing character, the other one thinks he's a terrible character. It's just, you know. Very I just don't like him personally. It yeah, appears he... we've reached detente, Bob. But see, that's <laughs> that's why I like him. Because he is terrible. Yeah. And because Cisco just wants to smack him. Oh, God. <laughs> and he finally does, too. Yes, he does. <laughs> just punches him right in the fucking face. Yep. Very satisfying. And I will tell that you this right moment. now, Mike Lettington has a very punchable face. Yeah, it really <laughs> does. It's but, just like, oh, I just want to, I just want to bounce my fists off that giant forehead of yours. Yeah, that was almost my good thing. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's some really good scenes with just them alone in the runabout, where Eddington's just trying to get, get under his skin. And mm -hmm. again, the first time through, I was just like, ugh, we're done with this. Why are we still Shut doing up. this? <laughs> And then I realized, oh, okay, I get it now. You still eat this replicated food, oh, Captain? Oh, God. You haven't tasted real replicated long. food unless you've replicated with your own hands. My hands are also not replicated. <laughs> just just awful. You'll notice that not only am I a Maquis, but I'm also a hippie from Portland. Uh, <laughs> seriously, I thought he was going to launch. He did have a whole speech about like replicated food and how yep. it's much more rewarding to have organic food. And I seriously thought his next thing was going to be about hemp. Yep. <laughs> like all the Maquis clothes are made of hemp, Captain, it's which the, your government doesn't allow you to use. It's the miracle plant, Captain. <sighs> you just want to get baked. Yeah. I do. That, that at least would make more sense. Mm -hmm. Like suddenly the Maquis, you know. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> You're such a square, Captain. <laughs> Not like us. We're the cool kids. Yeah. A forty-year-old man smoking a joint and reading a <laughs> Abby Hoffman book. <laughs> reading Les Mis. Yep. Hey, some of my best friends are forty-year-old men. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a there's I could go buy pot legally like right down the street. So so there's that. What a country. Yep. Just, here well, now, just read, look, the, here now read steal this book. Just look for the shop with the uh, green cross in the window. Is that what it is? Apparently. Is that what those mean? Yeah. I thought those were health packs. I picked those up like when I'm running low on energy. <laughs> huh. All right, then. Um, Matt, what was your bad thing? Uh, I could have seriously done without uh, Eddington's last words being, Rebecca, as he died. <laughs> like, I liked his last, his last, uh, his last little speech as he was going out, his whole thing about, uh, anybody well, know this, any good songs? Well, hang, hang on, this this ties into Bob's quote. Oh, well right? then let's play it. Seems like a perfect time for a song. If you could think of one. Does anyone know a good song? Something rousing? Too bad. I, I enjoyed that as well. <laughs> See, that's yeah. all great. And then he gets shot, and he just sort of sits down on a, on a crate and goes, Rebecca. Like, we get it. You miss your wife, but you're dead now. As, as Bob said, his wife of two weeks. Yes. <laughs> his wife, who he admits to Cisco, yeah, we got married just before you arrested me. Well, I mean, maybe it's been longer. How long has he been in prison? Okay, but <laughs> they haven't, like, there's no conjugal visits for the Maquis. Oh, I no. suppose. Like, I mean, they could have been courting for quite some time before that. Yeah. But still, he's mm -hmm. only been out of Starfleet for like a year. Mm, yeah. So I, I don't know. Anyway, I, I just like I really thought he was going to break into one of those French songs from Les Mis. Uh, I'm glad they didn't bring that back. No, his his weird little affectation this time was that he's got a lucky loony. Mm hmm. Which for for the non-Canadians <laughs> or, or audience members who are not familiar with Canadian currency, Matt, what is a loony? Looney is a little gold coin that represents our dollar. Uh, on one side, it has a loon, and on the other side, not surprisingly, it has a picture of the queen. Right. Do they still have... You would think with inflation in the future, like, the smallest coin might be the toonie. Well, he said it's a, it's it's an heirloom, like, it's an old coin. Oh. It's 200 years old or Oh, right. Like it's that, been so. in their family for generations. Yeah, apparently uh, Michael Eddington's great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was uh, Two-Face. <laughs> <laughs> So the other picture of the the queen on the other side is X'd out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so he flips the coin and it comes up on the good side. You may live, subject. <laughs> yeah, it comes on the bad side. 
but their, their family had really great affection for those those days of money before the federation took over obviously mm-hmm. you, you haven't experienced acquiring goods and services until you've exchanged <laughs> currency for it especially canadian currency the best currency there is so so but but matt let me be clear you guys don't have a one dollar bill, correct? The, no, the we do coin, not have a one dollar bill. The dollar coin replaced the, the dollar bill a long time ago. Yeah, we right? did. We we did away with them years and years ago. Right. So so these are super common coins then. Oh yeah. So it would be like <laughs> what I'm what I'm getting at is it's like if your family heirloom was a penny mm-hmm. that you saved for generations. <laughs> well, the it's, thing it's that... in incredibly widespread like uh, uh, distribution. It's not like it's a rare thing at all. Ah, but you forget we've gotten rid of pennies now, so they are rare. Yeah, but I was comparing it to the American equivalent, which is everyone's got pennies. And, oh, well, then, yes. This, uh, this country is crawling with lootes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it must be for the alliteration because you can't say, you know, lucky lo- lucky penny doesn't. Uh, I don't know. I guess pennies well, lucky are penny's lucky. Lucky penny's an actual it. expression. Plucky yes. penny, then. Right. Well, he could have said his terrific toonie. Right. <laughs> also, Matt, our country is crawling with loonies as well. <laughs> ah, <laughs> topical humor. <laughs> no, I... I I did like the reveal that he's Canadian, though, just mm-hmm. because, which led me to look on Memory Alpha to see other prominent Canadian uh, Star Trek characters, uh, of which there are none. Yep. Huh. A lot of, lot of one-shot characters, a lot of guys who appeared in one episode who were important at the time, and that's it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Eddington's the most prominent recurring-ish character hmm. that's from Canada. Wasn't there some speculation about uh, Thomas Riker being Canadian or something? <laughs> yeah, somehow being a transporter duplicate of an American makes you a Canadian. You know, that seems sort of right somehow. <laughs> it kind of does. Because he's different. He doesn't share the same political views. No. Nope. But he's still got basically the same cultural perspective. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're kind of the same, but they're a little different. And like many Canadians, he has a taped on beard. Mm. <laughs> so he can rip it off at any moment. That's right. So, like, all those sort of manly, like, lumberjacky-looking, like, uh, loggers and, and, you know, guys like that are, are really just wearing fake beards? Yeah. Well, yep. I mean, part of it. There's a goatee under there because they're evil. Of course. <laughs> just like this. Rip. Whoa! <laughs> Bob just completely blew my mind by <laughs> pretending to rip off part of his beard. Bob, no! <laughs> Say it um, ain't so! But I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's it was cool, I guess, to learn a little about him. But that that didn't go anywhere. I thought like the lucky loony was gonna be a thing, or you know, like maybe Cisco would be thoughtfully looking at the coin at the end or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eh, nothing missed nope. opportunity. I mean, that would have been hacky. But I thought they were gonna do something with it. Is all. Um, uh, that last Hardy song he sung before he died should have been O Canada, <laughs> <laughs> or possibly the Log Drivers Waltz, or maybe or maybe something by Rush. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Captain CanCon applies to me uh, lying here dying as well. <laughs> and now Tom Sawyer. <laughs> and now something, something by Alanis Morissette. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? <laughs> there's, I was watching um, the, it, it, there's a, well, it was a series that they then turned, like, edited into a movie called The Trip with a couple of uh, British comedians. Oh, sure. Going around England and... Like they're they're two they're playing themselves mm-hmm. two comedians sort of self hating it's pretty cool and they did a sequel where they're going around Italy basically doing the same thing and uh, one of the things in it was uh, they couldn't get the the cars thing to read their iPod and so they had to play CDs and the only CD they had was Alanis Morissette's like big album like whatever her, her <laughs> oh, major album was yeah. Yeah. yeah and so the entire like week long trip they could only listen to the same hours <laughs> oh, worth of Alanis Morissette God. Music. It was pretty great. I uh, I can't say. Uh, yeah, you're, you're a little under the weather, <laughs> especially today. Yeah. Um. So, Bob, what was your good thing? Uh, <laughs> there was a little vignette at the beginning with the uh, quark in uh, sick bay getting uh, stitched up, and uh, and it turns out that there was. Uh, a little disagreement with Morn. And, uh, so my good thing was uh, picturing Morn hitting Quark with the bar school and running out of the promenade screaming, we're all doomed! With no pants on, don't forget that. All right. I, I love that every time we hear stories about Morn, they involve him vocalizing in some way. <laughs> yep. Because we're never going to hear him talk. Spoilers, I guess. And, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I guess Quark is starting to sort of see which way the wind is blowing realize the war's gonna maybe be coming soon and 
maybe thinks uh, DS9 would be one of the first places the Cardassians would, would strike, and that freaked Morn the fuck out. And whacked him <laughs> with a bar stool. Yep. He was not <laughs> pleased to hear. He, he had never thought of it that way before, and he didn't like what he was hearing. No, I'll lose my bar stool. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I was just thinking, like, it would be great in the, in the final episode if they did, like, uh, the Newhart thing, where Morn just says, shut up! <laughs> That's the only thing he ever says. Didn't they do that with Larry, Daryl, and Daryl in the... Uh... Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. I think they spoke very eloquently. At the end. I, th I thought all they said was shut up. I thought that was the whole thing. But I don't remember. I might also be confusing that with Marcel Marceau's line in the uh, uh, Mel Brooks silent movie. Oh. <laughs> which is a similar joke. Um, my bad thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. There seem to be a lot more of those tired alien metaphors in this one than usual. Mm-hmm. Like, in the first five minutes, well, it's like fighting a saber bear, or it's like a Ligorian mastodon. <laughs> Just, like, I've never liked this, and I'm sure we've talked about it before, but there's more of it in this episode than usual. Oh, movies. man, they really hammer that shit home. It might just be that there were two in five minutes, mm -hmm. and it just, like, got under my skin, but it was it was annoying. I hate those things. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a quick and easy way to get the audience knowing what they're talking about without somebody saying, wait, what's a jiddly do? And, oh, yeah, but, it's a bear-like thing that lives on this planet. But sometimes they could just say a bear. They don't always have to be a an bear. exotic alien thing. Yes, a bear. Your Sorry. friend, a bear. <laughs> a bear, um, the bear who that's lost an inside his leg for to a one whale. Person. <laughs> there, were, there was a great subplot um, back on the station. It, this is one of those nice things where you got kind of a heavy thing going on, so you cut away to some kind of levity. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's Nog. Uh, his, his rotation in um, uh, cadet duties this week is uh, he's working security. Mm -hmm. And there's Klingons on the station because the Klingons are helping out with the, the impending war stuff. And... Uh, he he can't get them to to behave and uh, get them to respect him, and it's it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Problem, of course, being that Nog is um, the smallest thing ever. Yeah. And who shrinking that, every day. Who thought making him as a security guy was a good idea? Here you here you look intimidating. <laughs> yeah. Tell those Klingons you don't like what they're doing. <laughs> but there's a there's a fantastic just like like for a little while there he's like uh, almost trying to pick a fight. Like, mm -hmm. well, Cisco told me I need to stand up to them, so I'm just going to go stand up to them even though I have no reason to right now. And mm. Jake's like, dude, stop it. No. <laughs> and then I don't, don't the... want to be best friends with a smear on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> but then at the end, he's got a legitimate reason. Like, like uh, Martok and a couple of guys are hanging out where they're not supposed to. I don't remember exactly what they're it was. They're loitering. Making, it's really, it's really not that big a deal. They're loitering yeah. like we used to do on the promenade. <laughs> <laughs> I That was wrong when security yelled at us, and now I'm security. Oh, my God, I'm the man now. <laughs> You're a sellout, Nog. <laughs> but he goes uh, he goes up to Martok and puffs up his chest and gets all his courage. And there's some good acting on uh, on, on the kid who plays Nog's part, definitely. Mm -hmm. He's like, you're going to have to move along. And you can see he's scared, but he's not playing up the comedic, like, cartoony. Uh, like, you're going to have... Like, it's, it's actually fairly subtle, which I like. And, yeah. And Martok's just like, who the fuck are you? And he, he doesn't back down. He's like, I'm security, and you have to move along. Martok's like... All right, next time I'm going to punch you, but, but yeah, I like you. You're all right, kid. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty impressed guy. by the fact that you, the yeah. smallest thing ever. You could crawl into the socket where my eye used to be is how tiny you are. <laughs> I'm going to make a home here. <laughs> yeah. Drive you around like a giant robot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was great. And then there's this great payoff at the very end where they're in ops and they pass each other like one's getting off the, the turbo lift. And the other one's getting on, and, and like, cadet, general, that's it. It's just, yeah. And he's only nice. such, so beaming with pride. Yeah. Yep. Like, ah, yay, respect. He acknowledged me. I mean, if you think about it, Martok's the toughest guy on the entire station. Mm. Oh, like, yeah. Because Klingons are tougher than anybody else, and he's the, the toughest of the Klingons. So, you know, he's pretty, you know, that's yeah. pretty impressive mm -hmm. that he got his respect. No, yeah. I, uh... Nog's no. really grow not growing physically, but he's really growing into you know. It's good that he's character. at least growing emotionally. Yeah. 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 No, I'm I'm enjoying his arc. I'm enjoying mm -hmm. him thinking he wanted to be in Starfleet, realizing he was in over his head, but then sort of starting to take it seriously and actually being pretty good at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's been good. I thought this was going to be really easy. Nope, there's a war <laughs> going to start soon. Oh man. 
but even before that, mm-hmm. he's, he's just like when That's he was fun. applying, and they're like, "You're gonna have to work hard." Oh, am I? Yeah, you're gonna have to go to school. Oh, am I? <laughs> what if I have to work in my in my uh, uncle's bar? I guess I guess this is better than that. I don't know. I like Professor Keiko's class. Um, yeah. We don't let you take sick days to go work at the bar. <laughs> Aw. On the other hand, uh, none of our instructors at the academy shriek at you quite so badly as <laughs> Professor Keiko. So. Well, except for that one guy from the Shrieking Planet. Right. The but, hell. I mean, it's it's standard for it. You get used to it. Yeah. The howler monkeys of Rigel Six. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, no, I did like that whole subplot with Nog, and, you know, it had nothing to do with anything, but it was cute. Yeah, it's a good yeah. subplot. Yep. Did the job. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, what else we got? Nah, see? Meh. Meh. Meh? Yeah, you know. Meh, yeah. see? I like that the uh, Jem'Hadar ships look like big beetles. Yep. Are you just noticing that? Yeah. Oh, right. they're, they're the locusts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when Cisco had his crazy prophet visions about a swarm of locusts blacking out the sky, that's what that was. Like all the Jem'Hadar ships coming through uh, the wormhole. All right, I guess that makes sense now. Yep. I wonder if the people in Starfleet are always like punch bug, no punch back, <laughs> <laughs> and then they get blown up. <laughs> We're so bad at this game. <laughs> um, what else? I don't. This is like the last Maquis story on DS9. Oh man, so that's good. Hmm. Show of hands, who's excited about that? Well, you, you can't see. That's that. what I thought. Look yeah. at all those hands. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they'll be back on Voyager for those of you who like them. So. Uh-huh. Everybody, everybody wins, except <laughs> us. We don't win. We never win. That That is not against Voyager. That is specifically against the monkey. <laughs> they are still trying my best. They are terrible. They are terrible. But at least terrible. in this episode, most of them died. They're terrorists. Well, yeah. if if they're the rebels, then is the is Starfleet the Empire? Yes, yes. If the Empire, you know, cared about people and uh, <laughs> right was fair. That's that's been one of my main things about the Maquis the whole time is like we've spent two entire series and now three building up that the Empire, the the establishment, are good mm-hmm. and, and humanity's evolved beyond all that bad stuff. And so when we see someone rebelling against it, it's like, but but you keep telling us how great Starfleet is. Why? Why are the Federation? Why are these guys? Why don't they think that? Because you know they I mean? like because they don't want that planet. Ugh, take the planet. They want this planet, <laughs> and they're still mad about it. And it's um, been like six fucking years. But I'm, I don't, I'm sympathetic to a little of that because it's. You well, know, I was about to ask. I don't think we've had you on for a Maki episode before. So what are your actual like? You may not agree with us on this. What do you think? If you, I mean, if you take that as a parallel of like you know Indians being put on reservations and all that well, kind the of first, stuff, the then, first Maki yeah. episode literally had Native yeah. Americans in space, like you know, yeah, exactly. And that from that angle, I I'm sympathetic to that because yeah, I mean, it's like this was our place, and you came in and took control of it, and then then you know gave it away to somebody else, and I don't know. It's uh, I can understand that, but. I think they could have come to a peaceful solution. But they offered them a planet. Yeah. It's not like a shitty reservation where nothing grows. Every, you know, every planet in the Federation <laughs> is a virtual Eden. Also, the Federation put them there in the first, like, they put them on that planet in the first place. Yeah, that's, the, the metaphor breaks down there only because they are part of the same establishment. It's not like an outside group came in and kicked them off. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. But, and, and it doesn't help that, like, pretty much every Maquis people that we've dealt with have been kind of whiny eh, yeah i don't really sympathize with no and honestly the only good maquis episode that i i mean personally i'd like is the previous eddington one Mm. and i still didn't find him sympathetic i found him super hateful no but i did think hateable but like i thought he of anyone in the maquis i thought he was the one who most sort of got it got their point across yeah and i think part of that is because we didn't get to know the character very well but we know what starfleet guys are about Mm mm-hmm so right. we had something invested in him. I think that's always been my argument, is we got nothing, like, these guys are all interchangeable, boring guest stars yeah. that we're never going to see again. They felt, they didn't feel, uh, didn't feel very different from any of the other Molody Rebels right. that we saw. Yeah. And when you give them a face of someone we've seen before, even if it's a punchable face, <laughs> that makes it more interesting. Yeah. And in theory, that's why they maybe shouldn't be terrible on Voyager, because they're half the crew and you get to know them. We hope. We'll, we'll wait and see how that unfolds, but... Yeah, so but I, have, I have some hope for that. That's the best way to make them sympathetic, is to actually follow them week to week and see what goes on in their heads. Yeah. So, anyway. Anything else? 
No. <laughs> Farewell. Then let us press forward to the other episode, which actually does have a title that I would remember. Empark Nor. Empark Nor. Take it away, Matt. I will. So it's been five years, but everything Matt, I did... give me your summary now. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You son of a bitch. <laughs> It's been five years, but ever but everything on DS9 is still really shitty and broken. So Chief O'Brien suggests a fact-finding slash grave-robbing trip to far-off Empok Nor. DS9's until a year ago still occupied by Cardassian sister station that everybody is super familiar with. Cisco's all for it, but suggests bringing Garrick along for comic relief, and because Cardassian policy states leaving behind booby traps when you evacuate is the way to go about it. Chief assembles a crack team of Expendables and also Nog, and off they go to Empok Nor. Garrick manages to disarm two bear traps and a tripwire, but he critically fails on his make sure the stasis pods holding frozen Cardassian murderers doesn't open check. And more importantly, his poisonous blue crazy slime check. And then Cardassians of all sorts come together to murder Starfleet officers. And then Garrick murders the Cardassians. And then he murders some Starfleet guys too. And then he ties Nog to a pole and waves a knife around until Chief O'Brien explodes him. Back on the station, murder is forgiven! I think this may be the most occurrences of the word murder as as uh, in the form of murder or murdering or murdered mm -hmm. than, than any other summary we've done so far. I'm the next Star Trek, DS9. Murder, Garrick murder, is a murder. Garrick murder, 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 murder. Murder. Yep. Yeah, I had problems with this one. I This is, like I say, the opposite of the other one where I wasn't sure where it was going and then it got there and i was like yeah all right whereas this one i liked the tension and i liked the, the that stuff and then mm -hmm. suddenly garrick's crazy and it's like eh, i don't care yeah <laughs> <sighs> and that's actually my bad thing garrick was not crazy about the idea of garrick going crazy <laughs> like he spent andrew robinson spent a lot of his career after he played the the, the psychotic killer in dirty harry very famously oh really yeah oh yeah, he's the scorpio killer in uh oh. dirty harry and then he spent huh. the ensuing 20 years trying to not play that kind of role anymore. And that's that very specific kind of role typecasts you if you're not careful. Yeah. And DS9 was a big, like, I'm still playing a, a sort of a crazy guy, but I'm, there's layers here and I'm complex and I'm not just a mm -hmm. killer. Oh, yeah. No, he's built up this character since, like, what was it, the second episode Garrick showed up? Yeah, he's there from almost the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. and, like, he's be, he's developed into this really, um, this really complex yeah. uh mysterious character that we're not sure if we should trust or not yeah and he even remarks at the beginning like i can't I, well this is your quote right, yes Matt? my quote so if you just want to play it now i will do that what's the matter well it's just that lately i've noticed everyone seems to trust me it's quite unnerving i'm still trying to get used to it next thing i know people are going to be inviting me to their homes for dinner well if it makes you feel any better i promise i will never have you over i appreciate that chief uh, don't mention it yeah it's it's very <laughs> Like, on the one hand, it ends up sort of telegraphing what happens later. Mm. But yeah. in in itself, it was funny. And it's like, yeah, why do you trust this guy? He is kind of, you know. It's like, I keep doing evil things. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to realize maybe just because I did some nice things, too, that I'm still going to do some evil things. Mm -hmm. But this is this is just too far for me. This is it, just it like, really is. Yeah. And like I'm saying, from an acting standpoint, I feel like this just puts andrew robinson right back where he didn't want to be mm. yeah and i feel bad for him yeah i mean it feels i mean obviously it feels out of character and it's because he's under the influence of this drug but it's just it's so far out that it just it feels like it's not even him and why yeah. even bother bring him into it yeah and the thing know. is he's still good at this mm -hmm. like oh he does a, he does, look he does a fine job of being so chief well, as you say, as you correctly say, waving a knife around and ranting. That's, yep. You know. So it's come down to you and I, Chief, in the great chess game of our lives. Yes, it's a real game of sorry, you and I, together at last, battling it out like two rock'em sock'em robots. <laughs> Caught under a mousetrap. <laughs> I, I, I think it would have played better if we had seen more of Garrick being conflicted. Like, he was trying to fight against it. And, yeah, and, that, that could have been an interesting uh, conflict, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. It just it seemed like they flipped a switch and suddenly he's evil. I was yeah. actually, I was thinking about this. The, the easiest thing in the world to fix this episode would have been to have one of the guys in stasis be a refugee from, uh, what was it, Sestix 4? Setlick 3. Setlick 3. 
where that's uh that, that goes way back to like season three of next gen that's where o'brien fought the cardassians like during the the federation cardassian war yeah like you have a guy who was a uh who was a who fought in that war maybe against chief o'brien and he wakes up on this station and there's chief o'brien again that would definitely add a layer of things but i also think that would be way too much of a coincidence like if that happened yeah. i think oh, uh, it's well, tv i don't care about that and then we get back to oh we're not so different you and i yeah but then at least it's not then at least it's not tainting a character that we've had around since the the second episode yeah also it's the story of it was war things were awful then we're different now now i have to put down our guns and be friends and that's not a bad story yeah yeah so yeah you're right matt that would have been better Uh, apparently okay um uh brian fuller who went on to create a number of uh a number of great canceled shows uh (laughs) including wonderfalls and um uh the show about the pie maker the name of which i always forget pushing pushing daisies Daisies. yes oh that's the one that you keep telling me i would like it's very pushing daisies is fantastic for two seasons and uh i think he also did dead like me yep uh a bunch of bunch of sort of fantasy-ish type shows that were very good and cut down in their prime. Uh, mm. He's currently the showrunner of Hannibal, which I definitely see echoes of in this. Uh, but apparently his first draft of this, uh, they, they liked some of the beats and they really had to do a massive rewrite to, to some of the other aspects of it. So, mm. I don't know. What it's, was the line I saw in Memory Alpha? This script is bad and you should feel bad about it. <laughs> I, I it was something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Andrew Robinson's not the only one who was unhappy with it. No. So, so there's that. Mm. But I oh the the rewrite. Did they apologize? <laughs> I basically yes. <laughs> the rewrite added the layer of O'Brien, like Garrick taunting O'Brien early on mm. to at least give them a personal connection. Yeah. Which was something. Which yeah. is something that Garrick does with everyone. Yes. Every time he's matched I up with that. anybody, he like. We saw him with Worf a few weeks ago, just trying to, like, I think I'll join Starfleet. W- what? <laughs> no! Yeah. And and this time, you know, with like, so you killed a lot of Cardis on set like three, did you? Oh, well, what was that like? Did you have when fun? I, yeah. So, uh, you know, at least there was a personal connection there, but, but yeah. still, you know, just not good. And, and it's so standard, like, crazy serial killer like matt said waving a knife around and ranting no i've seen this a million friggin times i've seen this with cardassians a million friggin times yeah we had the darkness and the light not Uh, yeah (laughs) how do you p-l-e-h very well uh bob what was your good thing my good thing was the atmosphere i i really loved uh, like the obviously it's redressing the same sets from you know uh well it's a nice DS9 way to do a bottle and... show by saying we're in a different place but they're still yeah. shooting in the same location but mm-hmm. they they added like you know more moody lighting that actually felt to me a lot more film-like than a lot of the usual lighting on the show which is kind of even and, and a little bit flat and you know the the changes of angles on the the station model it really made it look a little bit more alien and, and kind of creepy well the, yeah. the cool thing is they've done this trick this exact trick when we go to the mirror universe and we're on the same sets and they shoot them from different angles and lighting yeah. again and they're doing a completely different again set of shots and lights mm-hmm. so it's not that like they found a third way to make these same locations look different again and i that's very cool yeah i love that Ta- kind of taking the same base and making it look yeah. very unfamiliar even though it's the same right but what i'm saying is it's a cool trick once yeah but it's way more impressive that they managed to do it a second time and yeah. make it unique all over again yep. mm-hmm. And I, I was, we were talking about, they shoot the state, like when they're approaching the station, we see it like on its side and it doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense because there's no up in space and they, the, the station could be pointed any way you want. But, but psychologically as, as viewers, it's like, that's not right. Like mm-hmm. your brain is like, why is it crooked? There's hey, something wrong here. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, exactly. Someone has bent the station. <laughs> and it's the same when they're inside, like you're seeing like sick bay. But everything's a little weird. Mm. And, you're, and yeah. you watch the show long enough, you're like, what's wrong? Shooting it from different angles, and there aren't yeah. all the, you know, it's very, very dimly lit compared to the way the station is normally lit, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, gives them a, an opportunity to just kind of like sidelight, you know, little bits and angles here and there. So it like really pulls out stuff that you don't normally notice because mm-hmm. it's yeah. just. And also stuff. the the details of like they're on the promenade at one point, but it's not. It doesn't have all the shops and all the signs and all the like you know working computer terminals. Right. So all they did was take some stuff out, 
but it makes it look sort of creepy and foreboding, which is cool. Yeah. And they're in Cisco's office at one point, but it's, you know, the office of whoever ran this place. And there's just a lot of cool stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. I agree. But again, the shooting the, the thing sideways doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> there's no up in space. Right. <laughs> but it works. No, it totally does. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, I actually really like the uh, the gang of yellow dudes we got. I thought they did a good job of establishing all of them with sort of their own unique personalities before they murdered them all. Matt, that's really racist. <laughs> Well, one of the yellow guys was blue. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have a, uh, what do you call it? We have a uh, uh, touchy blue guy who's afraid of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, security chick. Security chick. Uh, yeah. Grave robbing guy. Yeah, yeah. The, the, his whole thing <laughs> is he, he likes Kardashian keepsakes. Yeah. And, like dog tags from corpses. Yeah, keepsakes. and, and the racist. Right. Well, there was a there's a bit where apparently, like, after they had edited the episode and when they were putting in some, like, loop dialogue after the fact, mm. this isn't in the script, they had the guy come in and say something like, let's get that spoonhead that killed whatever his name is. Oh, wow. And yeah. it's like, and then apparently there was some deba- debate after the fact, like, well, Starfleet guys wouldn't be racist, and that's one of Gene's things that we agree with, and we, he shouldn't have said that. Mm. And, well, it wasn't in the script, and somebody made a bad call. Yeah. yeah. Didn't bother me. It didn't bother me, but I see the argument. Yeah. I mean, but they they had done, like, you know, in Star Trek VI, the, there was the whole racist thing about Klingons, and I guess this is Yeah, but at the end of that, and... they, re- they the, the lesson they learned was, wow, we were wrong to be racist. Mm-hmm. We're, we were dicks about that. Yep. Right. But I guess, I mean, if you translate it to real history, I mean, you know, slavery wasn't that long ago, and, and it's been it's been longer since slavery ended to now. And we've still got racist people than it has from the Klingon. Well, that, that's true, but I would say I would say maybe a better metaphor would be just after a war, demonizing whoever it is you fought. Yeah, yeah, would be okay. would be would be better for this. But you're still right. Like yeah. this stuff still lingers. It doesn't just go away when they sign the treaty. Sure. It's like, well, we better stop being racist now. Yep. Well, now you're <laughs> our friends. Everybody, turn in your propaganda cards. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure most of us still have relatives who who have bad things to say about the Japanese, and it's like, well, wait, that that was a long time ago. Yep. They're our friends now, and they make great stuff. And you <laughs> all know, the best stuff is made there. <laughs> great Scott. <laughs> I was this close to remarking about how fine the VCRs are. <laughs> See, I wasn't just talking about physical stuff. I, I meant like culture things and, and so forth. Nope. So. Fine VCRs. Okay. <laughs> uh, my good thing is uh, so, sort of ties into Matt's. Like we, we get a whole team of, as you say, yellow guys. Mm. Um, the, the thing is, at first I thought they were all supposed to be engineers. And I guess some of them are security. And because they all wear yellow, I wasn't clear on that. But I paid more attention the second time. So. <laughs> um, but it's th- this still holds. I like seeing O'Brien leading a team. Oh, yeah. I, it's it's one of those things like we saw in Next Gen when Worf would lead a team. It's like you see a more junior guy who usually relates to – he's usually like in the room of the main characters, the the, the lowest guy. Mm-hmm. You don't usually – you don't often think, wait, his main job is going – being a department head and actually being in charge of people. You hardly ever see him in that role because you see him relating to the captain, the first officer, and so on. Right. So it's nice seeing Chief O'Brien. Chief O'Brien is a chief, which means he is the head of all the enlisted guys. He's, like, their boss. And it's nice to actually see... Like, I like when we see him do that. I saw... uh, I like when we saw him do this in um, that episode with the crashed uh, Jem'Hadar ship with uh, Enrique. Oh, Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah. What do you call it? Crashy Enrique. Right. (laughs) That's the one. Yeah. See, that would help me remember. Yeah. But, you know, that that was another time where we saw him being a chief. Like, the chief being the chief. I yeah. like that. And yeah. we don't get enough of that. Lousy yeah. chief. Yeah. Always a delight. Yep. Um, and, you know, he's he's good at it. Like, it's another one of those cases where he's a good boss. Like, he's he, he, he divides everyone up in, in, like, logical, you know, teams. And, mm-hmm. like, you'll fix this. You'll do this. You'll do Cool. And he lets Nog come along because, okay, he's a cadet. Let's let's learn something. That, that appeals to me because it's just, uh, I mean, I like the chief, but it's also one of those, uh, you know, like kind of engine room people doing their jobs, competent people doing competent things, kind of things that I like, the, you well, know, it's... doing uh, like submarine movies, you know, where you just see people turning dials and levers and it's all like one well-oiled machine. The, of... yeah. <laughs> the, the motion you just made with your hands makes me think of that one gift that was making the rounds of the guy 
on the original Enterprise, turning the wheel wildly <laughs> on the wall. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Because <laughs> Bob's miming these guys doing their jobs. I forgot like about he was, that. Looks like he was turning a wheel. Let me just yeah. turn this wheel that doesn't That's exist. That's how you drive a submarine. Oh, God, the captain's coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look busy. Look busy. <laughs> I've got Spock's with him. He's going to know that this is fake. <laughs> the captain doesn't care, but Spock's totally going to know. <laughs> captain, you are aware that that man back there wasn't doing anything. <laughs> what what man i don't i don't see anybody no, you well he wasn't you or bones so i didn't see him right exactly <laughs> but no i it's it's one of those things about star trek that i like when we when we take a little time and see how these things we sort of take for granted like mm -hmm. well of course everything runs because chief o'brien's doing it but mm -hmm. seeing how he does that from time to time is cool like, yeah if we spend an episode with dax seeing what dax does or you know whatever just like like all this stuff is always happening, but we don't often see it, and it's cool to take a minute and, and follow someone on their, you know, on their particular path. Yeah, I love it when they flesh out those little details. Yeah, yeah. and you get a better idea of how the whole station works when you see, oh, that's what engineering is. I get it now. <laughs> so that's cool. What's an engineering? Yes. <laughs> um, what was your bad thing, Bob? Um, it's uh, it's a minor bad thing, but I, I the uh, there was this one uh, security gal uh, Stolzoff, but she reminded me of Vasquez from Aliens. Yep, really. And uh, yeah, she's kind of a badass, and I I wish I got she that had vibe too, yeah. stuck around. Um, seems like she could have been an interesting character. I mean, I I agree with you there. I just I don't see the Vasquez thing. Like, in part she was kind of tough, but she wasn't like super like vasquez no. was a bit mannish and i don't mean that as a, yeah, as a negative thing but it wasn't the super macho thing that vasquez was doing but it mm. was just i don't know just in a few early shots i mean this episode has a bunch of alien seeming references or mm -hmm. at least kind of the same sort of feel to things here and there and there was just one shot uh near the beginning where she kind of like she's you like know, holding was, a rifle or something yeah she's yeah. like kind of sets up and is holding a rifle in a certain way and it just mm. kind of reminded me of that but I did like her. Like, she didn't even have that much to do, but I just, something about her presence and something about, like, she, like, I, I wanted to see more of her as well. She yeah. was very, she like... She badass security chick. Yeah. yeah. And even through my first pass, when I thought she was an engineer who just had to pick up a phaser, she still seemed pretty cool. <laughs> to me. The other guys seemed okay, but she was the one that kind of jumped out as, like, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing more of her. But Yeah. Well, like, I wanted to bring up the, uh, the grave robbing thing again. Okay. Like there's this there's this actually this really cool scene where uh, Garrick and Blue Guy are uh, investigating uh, one of the stasis pods with a dead Cardassian in it. Mm -hmm. It's got a really kick-ass uh, Cardassian skeleton in it. By the yeah, way. I, I really like the look of that. Yeah. That but cool. um, so Blue Guy pulls out like some sort of rank thing or whatever. He's like, such and such is gonna love this. I'm thinking maybe don't steal from the corpses in front of the other Cardassian, and then well... just assume he's gonna be fine with it. Well, That's I weird. Mean, they talked about this stuff on the ride over. Yeah, well, so that was knows. weird too. And also, Garrick's a an exile, so the I think the assumption is well, he doesn't necessarily respect all their stuff because he's not even one of them anymore. Yeah, I wouldn't mm. assume that if I were you and uh, was hanging around Garrick. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm just like I I did. You're liable to see your tailor shop exploded. <laughs> That'll show them. <laughs> not again. That is how Cisco gets uh, Garrick to cooperate, by the way. He doesn't, like, well, I assume he threatened you. What? No. He offered me a, an extra storefront to expand my shop. You know how much more dynamite I can fit in there now? <laughs> Next time I blow up my thing, it's going to take out half the fucking promenade. <laughs> Just picture him tying, like, big bundles of uh, of TNT together. Yep. Mm. With, a, with a clock. Yep. This will catch that Roadrunner. <laughs> mape, mape. Painting a big mural of a tunnel through the, the hole on the wall. Painting, yeah. <laughs> meep, meep. Oh, I'm Garrick, super genius. <laughs> That's That seems about right, actually. <laughs> um, Just ordered my new Acme products, Doctor. <laughs> Some of that uh, metallic bird seed and a giant magnet. <laughs> Sheer seed. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're all enjoying that yep. image. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I, this was another one where I kind of enjoyed Nog again. Like, yep. um, O'Brien's pretty straight up with him. Like, uh, uh he's like, sir, what? Or he doesn't call him sir because he specifically says, "Hey, I'm a chief. Don't call me sir." But he's like, "What are we gonna do if we catch Garrick?" And he's like, "Well, we might have to kill him." 
like I just like how O'Brien is like this is the harsh reality of the world. You're here to train. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. Yeah. Yep. This this has gone really bad, and we may have to murder this guy. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Yep. I like that O'Brien has taken seriously showing this kid what things are all about. Yeah, exactly. Now, here, take this rifle that's clearly bigger than you are. <laughs> <Whoa>! <laughs> also, there's a, there's a moment after uh, Garrick does his waving his knife around and ranting where um, he's like, uh, Garrick's like, uh, I, I, are you still a soldier? And uh, Brian goes, no, I'm an engineer. And he, like, touches a button and, like, a bunch of stuff explodes. And it's a very Walter White, like, <laughs> yep. this isn't math. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Boom. And it's, that's, that's Chief O'Brien to me. Like, that's, and yeah. Jordy the same way. Like, all the good engineers are, like, they manage to use their craftiness to, to get themselves out of situations. I like that. It's a bit of MacGyver-ish. Oh, yeah. Like, you know. That's why he, like, he's the only uh, Star Trek action figure that I have is Chief O'Brien with his action wrench and briefcase full of tools. <laughs> <laughs> But he's like, um, I think more than the others, Scotty had a bit of this, but more O'Brien because he has to, is more MacGyverish in that he's surrounded by a bunch of crap and he's got to make it work. So he's got to just tie stuff together and like, well, this wasn't designed to do this, but the captain wants to do this. So I guess, you know, whereas Jordy's yeah. got the the top of the line best everything. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just got to keep it working. O'Brien's got to make alien blown up technology work <laughs> in a way that it wasn't designed to. Yeah. So. I don't know. I just I've always liked that about him. Yeah, me too. I like Chief O'Brien. We all like Chief <laughs> O'Brien. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently Gav doesn't, but you know. What? Well actually he does. He's just like, I don't get why you guys say everyone loves him. He's fine. But <laughs> other guys are fine too. <laughs> you know, he's Irish. It's like this is nothing special to him. <laughs> Everyone's like that everyone. Yeah, other, exactly. other people have done cool things in the past, by the way. <laughs> um I do like the conversation that Garrick and O'Brien have at the end when uh, Garrick's recovering in sick bay, and uh, Garrick's like, "Yeah, I, uh, I would like to offer my condolences to the wife of the guy I killed, but that might be awkward. Would you, would you mind, maybe?" O'Brien's like, "Yeah, okay. Um, by the way, I, I meant to kill you. Okay, see you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, we have fun here on DS9. Like they're not really friends. They were never <laughs> friends in the first place. No, I'm not actually sorry." Yeah, there was no I'm sorry exchanged <laughs> in either direction. Nope. It's like, look, I'm sorry. I, it's like, look, I went crazy and you tried to kill me. It's understandable. Yep. <laughs> but it's that's one of the levels the show operates on that I like is sometimes people just sort of understand and accept that people are awful and bad things happen. And it's not always like tomorrow everything's going to be OK. Yeah. I like that. Mm hmm. And I don't think O'Brien's going to really trust Garrick. Like, he probably didn't trust him anyway, but he's definitely not going to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, I like that. Uh, what else? Uh, let's see. We've got, uh, we've got, uh, Garrick for the first time ever saying he is not a tailor. Which was... <laughs> that should have been our sign that something was going wrong. Yeah, something's definitely wrong here. Seems kind of odd that you, just a tailor, would be so good at killing people. I'm not a tailor, chief. Hmm. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go be scary in the shadows. <laughs> the thing is, like we said, he is really good at that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just, you know. It's Garrick, you know? Garrick shouldn't be that guy. There's supposed to be I ambiguity ke- there. There's no ambiguity. I kept expecting him to break out the gingham pu- the gingham dress and the ca- and the penguin puppet. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Flibble does not approve. <laughs> what do we do to naughty boys who've been naughty, Mr. Flibble? It's a red dwarf thing, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I saw the. Like, oh, nope. Don't uh, get this one. Oh, that thing. <laughs> this is this is rather like when Flonk comes on and starts talking all his crazy bud, Buzzfeed. Ni- only '90s kids will get this shit with Matt. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh... All right, more saved by the bell garbage. Yeah. So good. <laughs> well, I know who Screech is. Yeah. Yeah, because he made porn. That's uh, why. I'm yeah. Uh, That's the number one character from that show who needed to make porn. <laughs> yep. I, I know you hate board games, Al, but I, I want the sure uh, Kotra Cardassian board game. And, and Someone surely has made that. Mm. That looked interesting. I, I don't know if it's one of those where they just kind of threw something together or if they actually kind of thought out the rules. But uh, Yeah. I bet somebody's made one somewhere. It's a game of skill, Chief. <laughs> 
but don't touch the side. <laughs> Pop goes perfection, chief. And every every single one, every one of those ad, uh, yeah commercials ends with a kid going, "I win." <laughs> I always so figured that, that kid was the one who got paid the most. Yeah. If you were the "I win" kid on a commercial, you were set for life. Yep. You sunk my battleship. Pretty sneaky, sis. <laughs> you suck my battleship. I thought that was like a, like, hey, suck my battleship. I wow. suck your battleship. I suck it up. <laughs> and now Bob's got tea all over the microphone. Thanks for that. Ah. I call that a win. <laughs> you win. Uh, anything else? Nope. Um, guess who? The face guessing game. Are we just naming games now? There, that's all the board games I know. Uh, well, there's Clue, and then there's its uh, British equivalent, Cluedo. Yep, Cluedo. Mm-hmm. I just like saying Cluedo, because it's not even a word. Nope. <laughs> you want to play the Cluedo? Yes. Yes, Doctor, I bet I will be Colonel Mustard. <laughs> all right, well, uh, any any spoiler um, things to say this time? I don't have anything. Yeah. There's uh, Next week is the... Uh, I don't know any spoilers. Well, no, you don't know any spoilers, <laughs> so you would have to leave the room for this. Uh, Bob is actually, I think, the only one of our recurring guests who has not watched uh, the series all the way through before, so he's seen oh, this wow, stuff for the seriously? first time, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. So uh, so it's it's interesting to see through his eyes, just like, like, and I, I do try to not spoil very much for, like, I'll say, like, we've been saying since next gen, at least, that there is a war in this show, so mm. that's not... There's a war? <laughs> And I told you that when we were hanging out in 1996, and I was watching the show when it was airing. Bob, this show's awesome. There's a war. Yeah, it's like Star Trek, only there's a war, It's so it's a little different. Uh, and you're like, yeah, I'll probably look at it at some point. At high school, like, Bob yep. was like, there's a war! And now I am. No, you never disparage it. You're like, oh, that sounds dumb. You're just like, yeah, I'll give it a... But, you know, you probably had a giant list of things to look at, and you yeah. never got a chance. I was watching Babylon 5 at that point. Fair. They're not mutually exclusive, you know. <laughs> I mean, I was watching DS9 and not Babylon 5, but that's for a whole other reason. Because that Babylon 5 guy stole my girlfriend. Oh. Still bitter, huh? Still No, but but I'm I'm telling you the reason from back then mm. that I didn't watch it. Huh. Now I just don't think it looks very you good. You told me it was because of the crappy CGI. Well, that's that's the reason I didn't look at it to begin with. Look, there are a number <laughs> of reasons Al doesn't yeah. want to watch Babylon 5. And it's now because I know uh, J. Michael Straczynski can't write endings to save his goddamn life, so I bet it gets pretty good and then it just falls on its ass. Oh, and no, it actually has a really good ending in season four, and then it goes on for another season. <laughs> it does, however, have an extended sequence where someone walks around <laughs> J. Michael Straczynski's other favorite thing. <laughs> Bad endings and walking around. <laughs> I just I, I've read a lot of his comics where I really like the first two acts and then it completely falls apart. Yep. Uh, but uh, I'm sure there's there's some that have been fine. All right. Well, uh, we're coming up on the end of the season. Next week is the the last two uh, last pair of episodes, yep. and uh, some pretty major shit happens in that season finale. Is all I'm going to say. Yep. There's there's a lot of stuff we've been talking about is finally happening mm-hmm. in in next week. So. Forward to and that. Well, after I that, we'll be heading into another supplemental, so uh, send us emails. Yes, please do. Postatomicor at Gmail. And uh, the website, as ever, uh, postatomicor.com. Yeah. Bob, please, by all means, <laughs> plug your thing. I wasn't gonna... <laughs> He's like, he's like, he's raising, like, don't forget. <laughs> yeah, Bob has a podcast that he would like to tell you about. Yeah, please, please we just do. hit our one-year anniversary. Oh, oh nice. my God, seriously? <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Oh, congratulations, one man. whole year. I guess I owe you a dollar. <laughs> So it's the uh, the optical podcast, and we're going back through uh, VFX films and movie technology, and uh, talking to some cool people about that. We just had an episode about uh, Planet of the Apes, and we'll be talking about Poltergeist next episode. Awesome. So and this is this is the original Planet of the Apes, right? Like the nineteen sixty eight. It was it, mostly about the original ones, yes, but we mm-hmm. we kind of touched on all of them. But you're talking to people who worked like on stuff from, or at least well, have have studied, if not worked directly on. We we do a lot of that. Um, this particular one was uh, two guys who wrote a book about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they've been working on it directly. But we well, we right. do get people on who have worked on the films and done visual effects. And oh, wait, is is that that Legacy of the Planet of the Apes book stuff? that just came out? Yes. Nice. Yep. Oh, very cool. Yep. Planet of the Apes: uh, The Evolution of the Legend. That's the one. Thank you. 
And uh, yeah, so uh, go to opticalpodcast.com and uh, check it out. Please do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that, we will be back next week. So see you, folks. <laughs> The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.